Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Gina Human about employee mental health and well-being and providing appropriate accommodations in the workplace. Gina Human, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have the chance to talk. Uh, you're going to be a bit of a unique guest on this podcast. I've, I've interviewed so many really interesting people um, that bring different perspectives, and yours is an important one um, that is that we need to discuss, though it is a bit unique. So your your story, which we're going to explore together today, directly impacts, of course, your family. Um, but it also has implications for the workplace. And, and really what we're going to be discussing today is employee mental health and well-being in the workplace, not just for employees uh, and what managers and leaders can do for their employees' mental health and well-being, but also considering their, their um, families, right? And, and that's something that uh, you bring to the table today with your family's story and how organizations, how leaders can be more accommodating um, to families that are dealing with challenges around mental health issues and and um, some of those uh, other types of well-being types of topics. As we get started today, I just wanted to share Gina's uh, bio with the listeners. Gina Human is a true Renaissance woman, wife, mother, architect, designer, instructor, author, speaker, and adoption advocate. She and her husband, Aaron, adopted Landry in 2001 from Guatemala and then went back for Maddox three years later, who was later diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder. Uh, RAD is a terrifying mental illness that leads to extreme anger, anxiety, and violence. Gina's love of learning and dedication as a mother inspired her research of different treatments and therapies that eventually led to their inspirational success story. Gina is an accomplished speaker who covers the topics and subjects of adoption, reactive attachment disorder, children's mental health, PTSD, infertility, and parenting. Um, again, what a great um, expertise you have and that you bring to the table today. Um, I know your, your general focus isn't in the workplace, but there's so much, uh, so much of what you know and, and what you can share that I think will cross over to organizational leaders and perhaps give us a little bit more insight and help us to have more compassion and empathy for employees that are dealing with some of the types of struggles that your families have to deal with. Um, before we really launch into the discussion, uh, anything else you want to provide by way of introduction, uh, personal background? Um, I, you know, <laughs> my expertise that you talk about came with, uh, came without my planning. So this was just kind of, uh, a decade of putting out fires and trying to figure out what was going on in our family. 
so that we could react. And now that we're through it to the other side, you know, I've really tried to focus on, on giving back and helping others so that they don't have to go through as long a process as we do. Well, yeah, that's great. And sometimes the best expertise is the expertise of living experts, right? The, the right. lived experience of people who have had to go through um, the hard, the, the school of hard knocks and, <laughs> and self-educate in, in a lot of ways as you're just trying to deal with things. And I, and I know that's in large part what, what you bring to the table, but that's, that's really good because again, that helps us. Um, you know, most people who listen to this podcast are organizational leaders, they're managers, they're people trying to know what to do to do right by their employees, how to be more successful, more effective. And one of the things we don't talk a lot about is, is emotional, psychological well-being. Um, and when we do talk about it, we usually, it's usually focused on the particular mental health challenges perhaps of the employee um not always considering that you know family life will will bleed over into work life and if we have family members that are also struggling you know that's something that that uh we need to find ways to accommodate so we can talk about some about what that could look like um towards the end of the episode today um as we get started could you just give us kind of the quick and dirty, you know, five minute or less kind of version of your story in terms of the adoptions and how some of this, how the struggles started to unfold. Oh, sure. Um, my, my husband and I went through about four years of infertility treatments and trying to get pregnant and then determined that um, we were meant to adopt. So we started looking into different adoption agencies. We ended up settling on Guatemala and we adopted our first son from there. He was easy. He was, uh, my friends used to call him the Stepford child because he was really well behaved. He was really mellow. He was, he was the easiest kid in the world. We, of course, thought it was our stellar parenting. <laughs> so we went back to Guatemala a few years later and got another boy from Guatemala. Um, their experiences could not have been more different. Um, my first son's birth mother was older. She had other children. She had a good job where she, and um, she was a housekeeper for a family that had a restaurant. So she was, she had good nutrition and she had, she got paid decently. Um, my other son's birth mother was young. She um, was from a very, very poor area of Guatemala that's known for malnutrition and I don't think he got the same uh, treatment in the womb. And then afterwards, my first son went to a foster family for until we were able to pick him up, um, who he was their first foster baby. So they doted on him. They had four children that played with him and held him. And, you know, he was, he was loved. And in fact, we're still in touch with them. My second son went to a foster mom who we strongly believe neglected him. Um, and not knowing at the time what to look for, um, we didn't know the signs of, of neglect and um, we just had a bad feeling about her. So um, over the years then, things just became challenging and, and they started out challenging. Like he was, you, he had to be in the right the planets had to be aligned in order for him to go to sleep at night. Um, 
he didn't sleep well at night. He didn't nap. He had four hour tantrums as a small child and there was no consoling him. Like usually with a, a regular kid, you just, you know, give them a new toy or a, a snack and they turn things around. They forget all about what they were upset about. Mine never forgot. <laughs> so he was, um, very challenging. And then as he got older, he got violent and would lash out at us. And what he was eventually diagnosed, and this took us 10 years, he was eventually diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder, which is a really scary mental illness caused by abuse and neglect in the first three years of life. It actually rewires the brain so that he is unable to access the higher level thinking skills that help you stop flipping out. <laughs> and um, then as he got older and older, um, it became scary to live here. And one of the uh, traits of reactive attachment disorder is that it's the parents or the person closest to them that gets treated the worst. Um, so we, I really struggled. I was home with him at the time and he was punching holes in the walls and not wanting to go to school. And it was, it was very challenging. So after uh, like almost a decade, I'd say of really frightening behaviors and trying to do everything we could. I mean, we tried every kind of therapy you can imagine. Um, we eventually found the right therapist. We got the right treatment. Um, it was a two week family intensive um, my husband had just started his new job at this time and had to take two weeks off or really just, um, it was four hours a day. So it was, you know, he had to take half days in his first couple months of working there and his boss was really great about it. So um, we did this family therapy and that was kind of the catalyst to my son improving and starting to get better. Um, we also found another school and between all of that, um, it took about a year after that point before we started to notice that he's really not the same kid he was, you know, a few years ago. So, um, and now we're in a great place. My son is 16. He's a junior in high school. He's, um, you know, got friends. He's in the band. It's, it's a whole different thing. He's got a girlfriend. So life is good. <laughs> Well, good. I'm so glad to hear, you know, the happy ending. And I know it's not an ending, it's ongoing, but, right. but uh, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful that, that uh, things have been able to improve, but it, it is just so difficult um, to, to figure out that kind of care. Um, I can't directly relate to what you've experienced um, as I haven't, as a parent um, had those types of challenges. Um, I did grow up in a home that had, I have one sibling who uh, had, who continues to have a lot of, um, of mental health challenges. And um, so I do at least somewhat understand, you know, how it's, it's, it, it can be really challenging. You know, uh, my sister who, uh, who was born about four months early, uh, had all sorts of physical and mental um, development challenges, you know being born that early and, and then, uh, lots of uh, layered on top of that, lots of mental health issues. Um, and, and, you know, she takes her whole cocktail of, of drugs, antipsychotics and everything to try to help her to be able to cope, uh, with life. And man, it, it's, it's work. And I, I, I just remember as a sibling, 
how hard that was, but I know my parents and, and even today, you know, how hard that is for my parents. And it's just such a challenge, right? And yeah. so I think it's, it's important for us to, at least to the extent possible, to try to have some compassion and understanding for people who are dealing with these types of struggles. Um, and in our pre-interview, we were discussing a little bit about, you know, what we would chat about today. And you had, you had expressed, you know, some of the challenges you've had with work during this time while you were trying to figure things out and get, get uh, uh, behaviors under control and get therapy and all these sorts of things. Um, so, so can you tell us a little bit about what you experienced? Uh, anything that you experienced that was good? You already shared the experience of your husband where they were accommodating, but also some of the things that weren't so uh, helpful and that negatively impacted you and your family. Yeah. Um... I mean, as we got further and further into this, it became pretty clear that we needed another salary um, in order to afford all of this therapy. Most of it wasn't covered by the insurance that my husband got at work. Um, most mental health um, therapies are not covered, um, at least not in full. And, and it gets really expensive, especially when you get to the specialists. It's, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour and we're having to be there many hours a week. So um, that part was very challenging. Um, so when I went, when I did go back to work, I found a full-time job. Um, you know, I was getting calls from the school all the time. I was getting calls from the nanny. I was getting, it, it was just, it was bad. So I would have to drop everything and get home on occasion, or my husband would have to drop everything and get home, but he was, he's the real breadwinner in our house. So he was the one that would stay at work most of the time and I would have to go. And, you know, after a few months of this, even though I could, I had the kind of work I could take home with me. Um, most of my employers didn't like the fact that I had to drop everything and go get my kid, but I didn't know what else to do. We didn't have family in town. We didn't have, you know, a lot of people that would help us out through this. And so it was really just me and my husband trying to wade through this mess and raise our son the best we could and still afford all of the therapies that he needed. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
Yeah, and so, you know, you, you highlight the challenge, and I understand from the perspective of an organization, of a manager, they're thinking, hey, we're, we're, you're, you're my employee. We are paying you. You're supposed to be doing the work, and you're constantly being distracted. You're constantly having to go do these other things. I get it. I understand that's a challenge, and I can understand why they, they wouldn't want to deal with that. Um, but <laughs> that said, you know, I, I think we, we, we need to think about, um, you know, what if we were in that situation, how would we want to be, um, approached? How would we want to be managed? What kinds of accommodations would we appreciate? What would be reasonable, um, to try to help, um, this, this valued employee, to find balance in their life and to be able to deal with their family matters, but also do the work. And, and you highlighted one issue that probably could have been a reasonable accommodation um, for that job is if you had work that could be done from home, it could be done in alternate hours, um, right. then that, man, that's an, an accommodation that, that you can just make. And, and if nothing else, COVID has forced us to acknowledge, you know, that people can work from home, like people can work different hours, we can accommodate, we can use technology. Um, not every job can allow for that. You know, you right. have some jobs where you have to be there during certain hours, you're customer facing, you have to be there in person. But there are other jobs or parts of jobs where, yeah, you can do it anytime, anywhere, it doesn't really matter, as long as you're getting the work done and being productive. And so, so I think one of the, the most important things that that leaders can consider um, as they're trying to find ways to be um, understanding and accommodating to their employees, whether it's the employee's own challenges they're dealing with, their own mental health issues, their own well-being, or if it's the the well-being of a family member, and, you know, in the family dynamics and the challenges that they're that they're facing. Think about flexible schedules. What what kind of flexibility can you provide in the schedule? What kind of flexibility can you provide to help? Um, members of your team uh, respond to family matters that might be a little bit disruptive, but are necessary for, for, you know, the overall well-being of your employee. Um, mm -hmm. can, can virtual work be on the table? What, what kind of boundaries are in place so that you're not, you know, when, when your employee goes home, they're not getting calls and emails um, all weekend or in the evenings, you know, so they, when they're home, they can be home with their family. Um, you know, these are all the types of things that we need to really consider. And I think a lot of times there are far more uh, reasonable accommodations that can be made pretty easily, pretty inexpensively for by employers for their employees. If we're just compassionate and thoughtful and, you know, try to make an effort to provide uh, that kind of support. And I suspect that would have made a world of difference for you and for your family, for your son while you're going through that difficult time, if you could have had that level of, of support from your employer. Oh yeah. I did have, I have one really great manager who, you know, after maybe the second or third time I got a call from the school, she sat, she brought me into her office and she said, tell me what's going on with your family. I'm really worried about you. And so I kind of started telling her a little bit about what was going on and she was very accommodating. She, um, you know, my job was at the time I was developing online training programs. So most of my work was on the computer. I had a laptop. I could take it home with me. She was fine with it. Um, unfortunately, 
after about 10, 11 months, she um, left that job and I had got a new manager who wasn't nearly as accommodating. So he was like, if you're not here out of sight, out of mind, you're not working. So <laughs> even though I could check in by email many times a day, they could get a hold of me as much as they needed to. I think this COVID thing has been really good for people like me who, you know, might need some time at home. I think it's, um, it's been helpful because businesses are starting to see that there is technology out there. There is ways that people can get work done at home. And some people are really productive at home. Yeah. And there, in fact, there's tons of research on this um, that not everybody, but most people actually are more productive at home. And so, you know, yeah. it, it, it does depend on the job. And there, there are some jobs where you need to be in person um, or some aspects of, of a job where you just need to be physically there. But what, what COVID has forced us to acknowledge is that there is far less of that than I think people previously thought. And your one manager who said, yeah, out of sight, out of mind, I, that's not a situation I want to deal with. You know, frankly, that's lazy management. Um, right. And it's, it's not good leadership because, you know, that's, that's kind of an, an old school mentality of I need to have tight control over my people. I need to be there. I need to see them. I need to monitor them all the time. That's not trust. That's not uh, employee empowerment. That's not um, any of the things that will lead to the best performance of an employee. And so, you know, not, not that everything needs to be virtual now. And once COVID's over, we're, you know, there'll be a lot of people that return back to a physical workspace, but this has demonstrated that we can be more accommodating. We can provide more opportunity for people to deal with these types of issues. I have six children at home doing online schooling. Um, and, you know, both we're fortunate. Both my wife and I are professors. We, we have the ability to largely do our work virtually. I go into campus every now and then, but mostly I'm, I'm working from home and I can help my kids. Um, and, thank goodness for that accommodation because I, I literally don't know what we would do if my employer, if, if the university required me to be sitting in my office, you know, eight to five every day. Um, I get my work done. I'm very productive, but you know, that's just not in the cards. It, it can, it could not work in our situation right now. Right. Um, and lots of other families are in similar situations. So, so, you know, let's just figure it out as, as organizations, as leaders, let's let go of the old school mentality of, of, of management by control um, and, and allow people to be their whole selves, which means there's messiness involved, which means, you know, I'm, you know, as an employee, I might have my own mental health challenges or, or physical health challenges or general well-being issues that I'm dealing with, but it also, it goes into my family too. You know, if I had a challenging situation with a child or with a spouse, I'm going through a divorce or, you know, whatever, like there's all these situations that life just throws at you that might impact your performance. But again, research shows that when accommodations are made and when employers and leaders can show some compassion and support, that a lot of times those valued employees, they can weather the storm, they can then come out even more loyal, more committed, more productive for the organization if they're shown that kind of support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, um, the really good manager I had also sat me down and pointed out that we had um, one of those 
employee assistance programs where, you know, as soon as she heard what was going on with my son, she says, well, you know, we have this employee assistance program. You need to use it. It's free. And, you know, a lot of companies, I think we had it, but they didn't really point it out and they didn't, you know, it was, it was very hard to figure out how to use it. So I think to, to make that more accessible to people as well would be helpful. Yes, that's a very good point because those types of benefits are not what we're always used to utilizing, right? Um, and employers, not always, but often, they'll have a whole big laundry list, cafeteria list of, of different types of benefits they provide to their employees. A lot of them, you know, aren't necessarily the ones that we're ever going to really be aware of unless um, someone makes us aware of them. So, so that's right. one thing that we absolutely as leaders and organizations, we can and should be doing is making ourselves aware of what is there for our employees. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do it all ourselves as a leader. I can't possibly, if I have a big team, I can't possibly um, per personally provide all of the support that that person needs. But that's right. why the organization provides these benefits and they should be utilized. So let's make sure that like your boss did, pull you in, have a discussion. There has to be some self-disclosure there. They they can't know what you don't tell them. But right. if, there's, if you build trust in the workplace, then your employees will be more comfortable sharing. And then you'll be able to know. And then you can say, hey, we have this resource. We have this resource. Maybe you should go talk to this person. Um, we can help you. We want you to be continue to be successful. Um, and we want you to be a productive member of our team. Let us help you. That's the attitude we should have. Uh, with our employees. And I think a lot of times it doesn't happen, not because people, not because leaders don't have good intentions, but because, you know, you're just busy and, and you're putting out fires and you're trying to figure out, um, you know, all the things that are, you're running around trying to take care of everything. And, you know, if you don't take the time to notice that an employee is really struggling, if you don't take the time to have that discussion with them, if you don't take the time to try to develop those relationships and try to have that trust, then it's going to be next to impossible to, to be supportive in that kind of a way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, it has really been a pleasure talking with you, Gina. Um, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story with us. Um, and in the journey, it's, you know, it, it's something that every family has to deal with in one way or another is, you know, there's really no such thing as the perfect ideal, you know, kind of a situation. Like everyone has their challenges. And so, it, you know, it's, it's a matter of us learning from each other and trying to figure out how we can all lift and support each other. And your story helps to share and shed light on, on that kind of a situation. And hopefully for, for those listening, um, leaders can recognize and understand their role and how they can contribute more to the well-being of their people. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, as we wrap up today, I did want to give you the final word and give you a chance to share with uh, listeners, you know, what they can do to reach out and get connected with you. And perhaps they, they want to talk with you more specifically about um, uh, some of the specifics around um, the parenting issues or the mental health issues or the therapy and, you know, those sorts of things, the adoption, um, uh, let us know um, how we can get connected. Yes. Um, I, I did write a book about our story. It's called Love Never Quits. Um, it won a gold medal at the Parents' Choice Awards. So I was pretty excited about that. 
Um, and then I also did a TED Talk, um, which is on YouTube right now, Gina Human, um, trauma, childhood trauma affects us all. And um, I do have a website at um, loveneverquitsbook.com. So they could find out all about me. I'm trying to do a class right now for parents who have kids with childhood trauma and really just get the word out. I've testified in front of Congress now to try to change some of our mental health laws to make it easier and more accessible for parents like me to get treatment. Um, because, I mean, my husband and I are both highly educated, had really good jobs, um, and a decent income, and still we were going broke doing this for our kids. You know, if my husband had a more blue collar job, I'm not sure we ever would have gotten through this. And um, we need more support for more people out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you again so much. It's been a real pleasure talking. I hope my listeners uh, will, will reach out, get connected, check out your book, check out the website. Uh, and I hope everyone listening, you know, will will really consider, you know, what are some of the types of unique circumstances that your people are dealing with, um, and how can you, you know, be a safe place for them to self-disclose, where they know that they can get support, where they can get help, and and then you can provide the the types of reasonable accommodations, you know, that can make a huge difference in the in their lives and the lives of their families. Um, I hope everyone continues to stay healthy and safe. I hope everyone can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day and have a great week. Thank you. Thank you. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.
check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.